mission transition today. Because then he gives the great commission for us. He has done everything. It's done. He's resurrected. But he's not resurrected to take a throne in Jerusalem. He's got bigger things to take care of. Heavenly throne, the entire universe is his. But he has said. Mark gives us the the get-going version. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Nice and succinct. Church, here's your mission. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, go win the entire world for me to be my bride for eternity. And you think, when you look in the mirror, what? It's a big one. Way too quiet in here. It's a, it's a, it's a big mission. But what's cool is, he trusts us to do it. How is that possible? Well, it's that he's given us his spirit part that makes it possible. All authority has been given me. Now, go. Make disciples of all nations. What? He's quoting my scripture for me. How do we make nations disciples? Come on. Make it bring it down to a better level for me. The Great Commission. Jay, can you preach that? Well, about 30 years ago, God hooked Karen and I. We got hooked earlier than that marriage, but we got hooked by the Great Commission about 30 years ago. And he took us to South Africa to work in the apartheid regime in the homeland republics in these human dumping grounds. Took us to Los Angeles where every need was met, every desire met. Took us to Brazil. Crazy, different. Took us to back to Gig Harbor. Nice, yeah. And now to Bellingham. So I love to preach this message because it's real, it's dear to my heart. And from what he has shown us, I want you to be able to look in the mirror and say, that's what a missionary looks like. It doesn't look like the guy who's gone other places. It used to be you think of the old couple they'd come to the church and they'd talk about their orphanage in just fill in the blank, I'll say South Sudan. The farther away they had to go and the more dangerous the field, now that's a missionary. These songs we were singing this morning, we got too much work here. We can't let the old couples in South Sudan take it all. (laughs) We're the missionaries. And I want us to, to really embrace that today and what it could look like for us because it's real, and it's so cool. Jesus is looking for a bride that has made herself ready. That's you and me, folks. So, let's take a closer look. The original call, two letters. Go! How far do you have to go? This far. Here's a human. He either at one point needed Jesus. He may have Jesus now, right? Okay. Could he use encouragement? Could he use prayer? Could he use a a hug? (laughs) You must know him better than I do. Anyway. But when... Jesus says go. What's interesting is we hear it through cultural filters. That original group that he said it to, they'd already been sent out by Jesus. 
And in Matthew 10, 5 and 6, we need to hear this because this is how they responded. The 12 Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Because by their actions, when we look at what they did, that's how they did it. Just in the synagogues, just staying with the Jews. And when they stepped out a little farther, they might go to Joppa, to the synagogue, or to different places. Was God mad? No. He just wants obedience. As you understand it, do it. They un- that's basically what they understood. You can see by their actions. It's how they responded. But this is the best part. As you go, he teaches us. He expands us. Those cultural filters come off. And it might take time. It usually does take time. And it's interesting what those cultural filters might be. But it's fun to watch these guys as they go. In Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the other utter ends of the world. And these guys, they heard that, and I think they heard, and you will be my witnesses to the Jews in the synagogues. As far as you can go and find synagogues. <laughs> and so they started. And they were successful because God is revealing himself as they go. In Jerusalem, day of Pentecost, what does he show them? Here's the group that said, crucify him. Judgment, baby. I've got all power and authority. No, they see God's heart. Those that are, were my enemy through the preaching of the word become aware of their sin and they see me as their salvation. That group, 3,000 saved that day. Not condemned, saved. It's hard to question God's heart when you see it in action like that. In Jerusalem, they see, oh my goodness, God wants all the Jews, which is true. (laughs) But it's such a finite picture. So they carry on and they continue to go, baby steps. A couple years later, Philip, one of the early deacons, can I hear it for the deacons here? Come on, baby. He goes to Samaria, and I can kind of hear his thoughts. Well, maybe these apostate, half-breed relations of ours, you know, they kind of have a hope of a Messiah, a little twisted. Maybe they'll respond to this message. (laughs) He goes in the whole town, the whole city, just in an uproar of joy of this salvation through Jesus. Why did it take him a couple years? They had a poor understanding. God was opening their eyes to what was possible. But it's wonderful, and they get it. They send the big, the big boys come in and start to take over the, the revival. But the city is turned upside down. And as they go, they, they're just like, God's more gracious than we even knew. Samaritans. They couldn't even talk to him before. Now, by the blood of Jesus, they are linked in to this kingdom. So, um, Acts 25, 8.25, Acts 25, yeah, okay. Acts 8.25, so when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, but now, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. The barrier has come down, which is awesome. Today, would ask you to think of what barriers might exist. What would hold you from speaking to somebody? 
This bar barrier with the Samaritans was ancient, was hundreds of years old. And it was real. And it needed to come. And when they didn't get it at first, God didn't smack anybody. Lovingly led them, taught them as they went. That's what he does with us. So now they're going to the Samaritan villages. And the disciples keep going. There's one big barrier that hasn't dropped yet. So God says, well, I'll take one of the leaders and that'll help. So Peter's in Joppa, speaking to the Jews, and he has a vision. It's a wild one. This big sheet comes down from heaven and all the unclean animals are in it. Yuck. We're talking thousands of years of dietary law and this was given by the man Moses himself and so they're like so Peter by no means Lord <laughs> can you picture yourself saying that <laughs> here God gives you a no <laughs> but we do do it we say no when the Holy Spirit nudges us in a direction no for different reasons Anyway, he, no, there's something with Peter in the, th in the three times. No, third time that sheet comes down. No. Hey, we're looking for a man named Simon Peter. I'm here. God orchestrates things to open things up for us to take barriers down. So Peter, things are coming together in his head. And he goes. He goes to Caesarea. And there's a man named Cornelius, who is a Gentile. No way. See, this is what's funny, because I would guess 99% of us here are probably Gentiles. So for, the, for us, it's not that big a deal. But for these guys, this was the hurdle. Nobody had jumped it except Jesus. And they weren't even trying. So he goes to Cornelius' house, and Cornelius has gathered a bunch of people, and Peter opens his mouth, and he starts to speak. He preaches the Gentiles believe in Jesus Filled with the Holy Spirit right there on the spot, just like the day of Pentecost. And now things have really gotten out of hand. What are you doing, God? I'm saving my children, excuse me. We didn't know. And they didn't. They had cultural filters that did not allow them to see. But God is gracious and committed to us and his plan of salvation. So he worked with them and worked with them. I'm a stubborn ox. There's a witness right here in the front row. Don't laugh that loud. I am. But guess who knows it better than I do? No. Well, yes, my wife, but... Jesus himself. So he's faithful to work in me and work in me and work in me until my heart changes. Thank you, Jesus. Guess what he's doing in all of us? You don't have to be as stubborn as me for God to want to change your heart to see people the way he sees them. Jeepers. Lord, you're so good. What they had seen previously as unclean, unworthy, unfit, Peter goes so far as to call them common. Now, worthy, loved, whole by that same blood of Jesus that redeemed them. 
There is one great love, Jesus. And he has been working on this planet with us and our mission for 2,000 years. Why haven't we got it done yet? A few more barriers need to come down, folks, <laughs> in us. But he's faithful. He is very, very faithful. So he's not waiting on yet. you to have a per- perfect understanding of his great commission. How do we disciple nations, God? Will you just go? So our first venture out, we were living in Gig Harbor. We went to a local church. We love God. Missionary? I don't think so. But God started working on my heart. It's like, this is crazy. When I talked to Karen, she's like, what's gotten hold of you? But God faithfully worked in my heart. And one day I was exasperated because I'd been wrestling with it for like two years. God, could you really use me in South Africa? And his Holy Spirit said to me with a chuckle, only if you go. It's what he said. Only if you go. Not mad. He had opened a door. I got to the threshold and went, mm, mm, looked in the mirror, mm, what are my qualifications? Depends on what measure you're using. Totally unqualified, perfectly qualified. J, J, something doesn't line up. Well, it's true. What are you looking at? What lens are you using? World standards? Totally unqualified. Bible school? Yeah, I'd heard of it. Loved and called by God? Yeah, I can do that. So we went. Oh my goodness! We didn't realize how well we'd been trained. For 15 years, we got, both got saved in 1974. <laughs> How many of you were born after 1974? The whole place goes, raises their hand, yeah. For 15 years, God had been training us. We just didn't know it was trained for the villages of South Africa. What? Everything he trained us in, from using a chainsaw to being able to stand up in front of people and say, Jesus loves you. Man, so, so good. So God continues to open our eyes. One by one, the scales come off as we go in obedience. Interesting how God needs to change things in us. Coming from the United States, pretty awesome place to live. No place like it that I've been. But man, the blinders are real. Got to these villages, and village life is different. These folks at this time, uh, okay family, had one meal of cornmeal a day. The wealthy family had two meals of cornmeal a day. We come from a land where we were on the lower end of the economic spectrum in Gig Harbor, but we only missed a meal when we wanted to. <laughs> it was a choice. These folks, it was right at the line. But what was cool is Karen and I would show up for a visit, and there were no phones, no even hardline phones. So everything was unannounced. What's it like to show up in somebody's house unannounced? And you're the white pastor. Scramble time. So they'd give you a cup of, we're going to put the kettle on. And they'd run to the kitchen. And they'd run next door. Do you have any crackers I can give to our guests? Oh, yeah, here. And they'd come back and 
just had to put the kettle on. So cool to see a village interconnected. You know how your neighbor's doing there? We saw interdependent is better than independent. Coming from someone who likes independence, honestly, I do. When we moved back from South Africa, we went to L.A., and there the garage door goes up of your neighbors. They drive out. They drive back in, and you, we didn't speak. We didn't even know who they, who they were. One day I'm out mowing the yard, and the neighbor's red Corvette pulls out. His window comes down. So my wife and I are getting a divorce. Keep an eye on the house, would you? And he drives away. It's the only time I ever spoke to him. Did I ever have an opportunity to maybe speak into his marriage? It's hard to speak somebody you never see. The interdependent thing is just so awesome. And that, it came off easy, actually, when you see the reality of it. So that was pretty cool. Um, interdependence tops independence. I think I had a point earlier that I didn't mention. because <laughs> It's been a while, guys. Um, what was my first point? Oh, it changes us. When we go in obedience, it changes us. Number two is pretty simple in the title of my message today. Show up. Where? Wherever you find yourself, show up. Be present. Ears open. First to the Spirit and to the people you're speaking with. doesn't matter if it's 7,000 miles away, seven doors down. Show up. Some of the places you get led are circumstantial. I think of Paul and Silas in prison. No thank you, Lord. Great mission field. Do I get shipwrecked? No thank you, Lord. Great mission field. <laughs> when you're there, whether by call, specific, or by circumstance, be there. Show up. Expectant. Lord, what do you want to do here? Somebody knocks your shopping cart at Trader Joe's. Did that happen to you today? Be ready. Look into that person's eyes. They may have knocked you because they're distracted because something horrible is going on in their life. Don't know. But if you're present and aware, what an opportunity. These things happen. I'd say in the group this size, daily to us. But I know myself, it's so easy to have, oh, I've got my list, I've got to get this done. And when I get home, i got to get this done. And when I get to do it, i got to do this. And God's saying, and you missed this one, and you missed this one. He's not saying it mad. He's just saying, wake up, and you missed this one. Because you're putting in a fireplace? Think of the value. And when I do the math, I'm like, oh, my gosh, Sorry. So, I would like to recommend, if you're one of those folks who feels they're rushing past these opportunities, there's a beautiful Bible word, repent. Sorry, Lord, I've been in too big a hurry. I have missed opportunities. I know it. Right now, the Spirit's witnessing within me that I've done it. I don't want to do it anymore. And that's just what he's waiting to hear. And then... You're going to be inconvenienced. Time for that nap. And the phone goes, ding. No. You're just getting ready to turn on the latest K-drama. And the phone rings. Ah. What's your response? Thank you, Lord. This love you've given me for people, 
this is an opportunity. What does inconvenience feel like when it's someone you love? Awesome. We have, uh, our daughter has our grandkids in Canada. And last summer, she was, having, she was pregnant and dealing with her two munchkins. And Karen, can you come help? It's a real inconvenience. I'm going to be without my bride. How long were you there? Six weeks? <laughs> it was awesome. She got to be with her grandkids and our daughter for weeks. I got to see them on WhatsApp every day. What does inconvenience feel like when it's for someone you love? really feels like an opportunity. This is what I was made for. When that love just starts to flourish in your heart, man, what an opportunity. Used to call that an inconvenience. Not anymore. Now I call it an opportunity. Because God so loved... He is the greatest. Thank you, Lord. Mm. And the other cool thing about show up, it's kind of a can't miss. Where are you? Campfire, Mount Baker? Humans there? Mm -hmm. Do they need salvation? Probably. But again, if they're if they're believers, we get to encourage them. We get to pray with them or for them. What an opportunity. Or a refugee camp in South Sudan. Oh, my goodness. The need. You can't miss. Whether it's Trader Joe's or the person sitting next to you in the... It's not a pew <laughs> in the row. <laughs> Oh, so we're expectant, we're being led, and we're joyful as we go. Uh, the story of Philip, he goes and he starts that revival in Samaria, and in the middle of revival, the Spirit says to him, oh, go to the desert road. It, it's just, I'm in the middle of revival here, God, can't you see this? Oh, yeah, but I got something I'd like you to, to handle. So he obeys. There's nothing specific about it. He just goes. And as he goes, I'm sure he's thinking, I wonder what this is going to be like. Another revival? But it's a desert road. Well, we'll see. So here comes the chariot, and the Spirit says, that's the one. The Spirit will give you that specific. That's the one. Runs alongside and he hears him reading in Isaiah. Hey, understand what you're reading? How can I unless somebody explains this to me? And the Bible says that Philip started right with that verse he was reading. We get to meet people exactly where they are. There are people who they've never really heard of Jesus. They know of gentle Jesus, meek and mild, in a blue robe and you know, California Jesus. Um, at least you know what I'm talking about. It's not the Jesus we know. They've never heard about the real Jesus who came and gave his life. King of the universe. King of the universe. Nine months in a womb. Come on. And then he's born, and he leads a perfect, sinless life. And then he gives that life for me. <laughs> it's impossible, except it's not. It's real. It's what happened. They may never have heard the gospel. Or they may have been born in a Christian family, grew up in the church, and decided one day to walk away. We get to listen with the Spirit, hear their story, and come alongside right where they are. 
You need to hear Jesus for the first time, maybe the last time. We get to bring that to him. And as we work side by side with the Spirit, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And the fruit of it is amazing. But in that Acts 8.35, Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Back in Acts 10, which is actually two chapters later, sorry. In Acts 10, when Peter speaks to Cornelius and the family, the Bible says, and Peter opened his mouth. And Philip opened his mouth. You know, I think this is one of the barriers that we as Americans have, this hinge thing here. Why is it so easy to open our mouth in a bad way towards people? So, oh, Jay, he's, he's preaching today. Well, if you've ever driven with me, you know how easy it is to open your mouth and say something bad about somebody. It's just wrong, but it's too easy. Why is it so difficult to open your mouth in blessing for somebody, encouragement? I don't know, but it is. It really is. So we're going to have an exercise here right now. If you don't want to take part, you can look at the person next to you and, you know, time out, baby, not me. But if you're game, you're game, I love it. Here's what I want you to do. I was going to say teams of two or three, and I said tombs of two. No, no, teams of two or three, and here's what I want the first person to say. Turn to them and say, you may not know this, but God, God really loves you, and he wants you to know. Turn to somebody and say, I love that vibe I'm feeling right now. I love it. Now, for the other person, here's what I want you to say to them. Did you know that when God thinks about you, he's excited about your future? That's awesome. God loves me and he's excited about my future. And I can say that in such a way that that is, it's right there. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Lord. Help us all to open our mouths, to be ready to speak words of truth, blessing, life, hope, because they're right there. Didn't it feel good to say it? It does. Because we're wired that way. Once we become Christian, it's like, what does God want to flow through me? Mm. I have little stories for all of these points, the being inconvenienced, and there's one that just cracks me up. When I tell it, you'll go, and then you think, well, it's a great story 30 years later. So we do one of those unannounced visits in South Africa, and it's very hot, dry, and dusty. And so bringing you water is a, a good thing. So the lady runs in, and she gives us some glasses of water, and then I'm going to go put the kettle on and get some stuff ready. Fabulous. So... She leaves, and Karen holds up her glass, and there it is, ding, ding, mosquito larva. <laughs> well, she didn't, didn't short me. I had one as well. So this is what they had to drink. 
So there are two points here. One, no, we're not going to embarrass a host who's just given us a glass of water and is giving us something. And two, yes, it's a small thing, but it's, it's not a big thing to honor those folks. And so we had extra protein with our water. It did not hurt us. And it's a great story 30 years later. <laughs> and because of that woman who was a woman who was coming into the church in a greater way, she was engaging, which was really nice. We could have shut that down by being, oh, gross. How could you? She didn't mean to. Well, maybe she did, but <laughs> never thought of that. Um, oh, gosh. Um, it was just, it was too easy because we were able to show the love of God and not let anything interfere with that, which was, which was great. And all this time later, Nobody knows but you. <clears throat> so the, the way this all comes together, I do have a, a story I do want to tell. Um, so there's a picture of the region where we used to be, and if we could cue region two pick. Maybe. Maybe not. Just talk. Okay, so, again, when I say dusty, poor, most of the people were illiterate where we were. Um, just the opportunities they didn't have. And poor, but many, many, many joyful, which was so cool. But to come into these places from Gig Harbor... <laughs> You can't get any different. The sea's 100 miles away. So we have a friend. Her name's Nokaya, and she's a, a beautiful woman. Um, simple, but strong and joyous. And we were just planting a church in another village, the first church plant out in Mitford from Thornhill, where our church was. And she's just who she is. She was... Um, there you go. Take a look at that terrain. So we lived lower right-hand corner, Whittlesea, if you can see it. It's Whittlesea if you can't see it as well. Um, and then up in the top, Midford and Thornhill, those two little dots, there's no paved roads between any of those dots. It's just we had 50 flat tires in four years. <laughs> Inconvenience. Um, so we, we kept tires for sure. And so I'm off subject. Nokaya. So Nokaya's pregnant. She has two daughters, and now they're pregnant with their third. And when the time comes, uh, she goes to the clinic, and she has a baby boy. Beautiful, wonderful. Sounds normal, right? Yes. Fast forward a few weeks. And Nokia is now in Mitford. The clinic was in Whittlesea. She had her baby in Whittlesea. Mitford at the upper part of the screen. She is now at a ladies group in Mitford. They're praying for this church plant. They're singing. And then oh, her son needs to be changed. So she goes out. And in comes a witch doctor. And by their regalia, what they would have, horsehair belts and amulets and all these things, what she was was clear to everybody. This was a witch doctor. And then there are some from Mitford that knew her as the local witch doctor. When you say witch doctor, brings up lots of images, but just they're, they're just bound to darkness. It's, it's horrible. They have zero hope. And this woman's walking through the village, and she hears joyful singing. That's attractive. She shows up, and they start to talk to her. They wind up their singing, and they start to draw her out. 
start to tell her about Jesus. Has anyone ever spoken to you about Jesus before? Well, there was this woman at the clinic a while back. I didn't engage. Micaiah comes out from changing her son, and she goes, and there she is. (laughs) What God won't do for one. Nokiah was being Nokiah. She's in the clinic. She's giving birth, and she's testifying about how good Jesus is. She doesn't know if it's going to grow, that seed. She's still going to plant. That woman got radically saved to where her countenance changed to almost unrecognizable. She was such a different person. She was joyful. She immediately cut off those things. And that is, you know they're serious when they start to take off all those trinkets and amulets, etc. She got radically, radically saved. And she brought other witch doctors to the church to meet Jesus, where they also radically saved. They're finding joy, which they had not had. They had power before, but they didn't have joy. And now they have joy because of this missionary named Nokia. Now, I looked for a picture. This is 30 years ago. I do have a picture. Could we put the picture of Nokia up? This is a bad picture, but she's the one on the right. She's preparing carrots for one of our meals. Doesn't she just look like a missionary? Yeah, baby. Because she's just a blood-bought saint who loves Jesus and loves people by the power of the Holy Spirit. She was willing to testify. Now, this is about 15 years later from when she gave birth. So she didn't give birth as an older woman. She was a vibrant, younger woman. And I wish I had one of those pictures because she's got a beautiful face. She's a wonderful person. But I wouldn't have chosen her to break into the dark places of Midford when they were planning a church. Farm manager's wife. Was she literate? I don't know if she could write. Doesn't matter. God chose her. And she said yes. Just by being who she was. Just by being faithful in the little. And I can't even imagine. I've been with Karen when she's given birth. (laughs) I'll be quiet. (laughs) For me, not for her. Um, It's just amazing that in those situations... God may be doing something so much bigger than what we could imagine. But that's just how he works. When you are a yielded vessel, say yes. Start to testify to see the fruit that would happen. It blesses my heart to know that woman. She is absolutely amazing. And, yeah, and her husband was like a brother to me. So we have traveled a bit We've gotten there. Um, when I think of Nokia, this verse in 1 Corinthians one twenty six. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. I'd say that's true here. Not many. Some of you guys are pretty wise. Gals. But not the whole group. It's not what matters. Are you willing to be you and used? That was my difficulty in our first call. And when I finally said yes, that was all he wanted, to be willing, to go. And again, the going is how far? So my question Do you feel like you're a missionary yet? If you said no, let me politely disagree. God wants us all, every one of us, to say, I'll do it. I'll do it. If you go to Luke 14 and you read the parable of the great banquet, most of us know this story. The master invites all these 
exalted folks. And when they, those exalted folks turn him down, he says to his servant. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Everybody had an excuse. The master of the house became angry. Can you picture God angry? I've invited all these people and they won't come. God doesn't like that. Says to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Have you ever been to the streets of Bellingham? Yeah, baby. Have you ever seen the poor, the crippled, the blind, or the lame? Spiritually, if not physically. Oh, my goodness. There are people in million-dollar houses that are so spiritually poor, it's painful. Blind, walking with a horrible limp from something they never forgave somebody for. There's so much. Go out. Quickly. You're dismissed. Go. No. Um, <clears throat> but it's, for me, it feels like that at times. Servant says, sir, what you've commanded is done, but there's still room. This kingdom of heaven's got room. So then what does he say? Let me get there. Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house will be filled. So highways in those days, more walking highways. We live on the railroad trail. There's a walking highway right there. Bellingham has so many trails. Fantastic. And then even those that are kind of hiding, go to the hedges. I've seen people there too. This isn't an out there for others kind of thing. This is right here. I did think, well, maybe <laughs> we could go out and take a walk around the block. <laughs> JJ said no. That was a lie. He did not, I did not bring it up to him. That was, he probably would have said yes, go for it. Anyway, um, if you were to go out and take a one block radius walk, what would you see? How many opportunities? How much need? It's crazy. This is where God has called us to live. He gave us this church building. We know we are the church. This is the building. But he placed this building for us to be church right here. Strategic in Bellingham. Let's do it. Let's be church here. Let's hear that great commission and know it's not for that couple. It's not just for that couple in South Sudan. It's for Jane Karen. It's for fill in the blank. I'm going to pick on somebody. Mark, you lose. Ha! Feel like a missionary today? I love it. If you can hear your name, all it takes is to say, I may have blinders, may have barriers. I know they exist. Work with me. And oh my goodness, he is faithful. He's so committed to this mandate. Coming off the cross, it is finished. Now go get him. We got a ways to go. Thank you, Lord, that you're faithful. That you're faithful with us. You'll take the stubborn ox and get him to say, Okay, let's try it your way. <laughs> and then the fruit comes, and it's to his glory. And that's what's absolutely beautiful. So what territory has God given you? What influence? What group of people? Even if it's just in your family, say yes. At the office. Not too many young kids here, but at school. Gosh, what a mission field. Saying yes, being available, 
Let the barriers come down. It's wonderful. So, I would like folks to go home and look in the mirror and say, there's a missionary. Doesn't matter if folks are from dusty villages or from high-rise apartments. They have the same needs. Everybody needs Jesus. But they need to know that there's hope for their future. They want to have good relationships. They want to have a good marriage. They want to have a good relationship with their parents or their children or their friends even. Let's be that voice. Let's them know. Doesn't matter if they're laying in the hedges or driving that red Corvette. That man needed help. Was not, there was not one opportunity for me to speak into that one. Hmm. But for those places we have opportunity, open your mouth. Speak words of truth, life, hope. So good. There is one great love, Jesus. And he's chosen us to portray that great love. And in that three-letter word, followed by a four-letter word, yes, Lord. (laughs) Say yes, say yes, say yes. Heavenly Father, you'll... Your commission is great. You've called us to be your servants, your voice, your hands, your feet. In any way that we have held back, we just want to say sorry and commit to you and say, use us, Lord. Work in us. Change our hearts. Let us see people the way that you see them. And when we see that value, any inconvenience, any difficulty, any barrier becomes a little thing because you are worthy. And we want that bride to be beautiful and prepared at that wedding feast. So have your way in us. Family, this morning I was thinking about the song that we sang, Over a Thousand Tongues to Sing, and I thought, man, the author kind of cites, low. there's millions of tongues singing God's praise, billions of tongues over history singing God's praise, and I thought, well, maybe he was thinking, like, oh, if only I had a thousand tongues, and I thought that was silly, and then I thought, but I could have a thousand tongues to sing God's praise because I told ten I use my one tongue to tell 10 people what God has done. And if those 10 people share to 10 people, like think of how quickly that becomes a thousand tongues because we're willing to open our mouths.